Welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. I am your host, Deb Mazur. I'm a registered nurse, health coach, and AFBA, alcohol-free badass. That's our new abbreviation. And today on the show, I have Nigel Jones, all the way from across the pond. Nigel is an author. He's an accredited positive psychology and sober coach, and he's the founder of Nine Kilometers by 9 a.m., His book, Walking Back to Happiness, has been out since August, and it tells the story of how a 50-something-year-old who'd been locked into the habit of drinking for over 35 years finally woke up and said, I want a different life. And so Nigel gave up drinking. He started walking nine kilometers before 9 a.m. every day. He lost 30% of his body weight, and he found purpose. So welcome, Nigel. I'm so glad to have you on the show and share about your journey and living alcohol-free. It's great to be here, Deb, and thanks for having me on. Well, go ahead and introduce yourself for those who are new to you and just share who you are and what you do and where you're calling from. Yeah, sure. My name is Nigel, Nigel Jones, and I, I live in the UK. I'm originally from Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales, which is part of the UK. And I now live in in England near London. And at the age of 54, which is approximately two years ago, so I'm coming up to two years alcohol-free on December the 8th, I stopped drinking forever. And I've honestly, hand on heart, never looked back. And in that time, my whole life has just changed and gone from better to better to better. And I've written a book, I've qualified as a positive psychology coach, and I've learned the piano, I'm learning a language. I mean, it's like endless, all the stuff I'm doing, because quitting the booze just gave me new meaning in my life. Yeah, well, congratulations. I think this will come out around your two-year anniversary, so that's fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Well, what was your experience with drinking? Yeah, so... but. I'll give you a sort of a brief, my story, my alcohol story, which is, which is all in the book called Walking Back to Happiness, The Secrets to Alcohol-Free Living and Wellbeing, was I'd probably tried to stop drinking thousands and thousands of times over the 36 years that I drank alcohol. So I started drinking alcohol at the age of 17, 18, and went to university, and it just slowly ingrained itself and wove its way cleverly and slowly into my life. And, you know, I never thought I had a problem because I just thought that's the way life was. My job was basically in the marketing and PR and advertising worlds. So I would be, uh, so I worked pretty much in sports marketing. So I would work at the, with the Olympics and the world cups and really big brands like Adidas and Motorola and Procter and Gamble. And What we did was we entertained clients. We took them out and had lots of drinks and it just became a normal thing. And, you know, if you wanted to progress in one of these rising agencies, you had to go out drinking, not just with your clients, but with your colleagues as well. And so it just was one of those things that happened. And before I knew it, I was probably in my thirties and forties drinking the equivalent of about a bottle of wine a a night or a day. And so. You know, it was really a couple of glasses after work that became the bottle. And to be perfectly honest, when you get to like, you know, your, your forties, your body really can't cope with that stuff anymore. I mean, in your twenties, you can get away with it and probably a little bit in your thirties, you can as well. But for me, I knew I had a problem 
probably from about the early 40s onwards, but I just stayed with it for some reason. And I got very, very good failing to stop drinking. And that's because I was just using the wrong method. I was using the willpower method and that just does not work. And I, and I can explain more about that later, you know, when we chat later, later in the, in the, in the conversation. So, so I think, you know, looking at me and alcohol, literally the, the turning point for me was, was getting close to the age of 54, a couple of years before I'd had a couple of what I would call scares where I, I thought I was having heart attacks, but they were really panic attacks. I was ending up at sort of the equivalent of the accident and emergency. We call it in the UK or A&E where you go to the hospital saying, you know, oh my God, there's something really bad wrong with me. But the reality was, you know, I had the tests there. They said, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just all in your head. And I was literally just stressing myself out. And what was doing this was, was basically alcohol. It was, it was actually getting right inside my mental health as well as my physical health as well. And just making me what I would call pretty much a, a, a bit of a mess on the inside. But on the outside, I still ran a, a successful business. I, I had a family with three now grown up children. I've got a beautiful wife who I've been married to for 26 years. You know, I, everything was on the, it was going well for me, but really booze was making my life sort of hell. And I really had to do something about it. And I, and I did that in December, 2020. Well, you said you had tried to quit, tried to take a break thousands of times. What, what yeah. made it stick this time? Yeah. So what I'd been doing before was really coming at it from a, a, a mindset that I was a drinker trying to become a non-drinker. And what I discovered the really, the way to do this is to change your belief system. Because if you, if you change your beliefs, you basically can change, you change your story. And, and when you change your story, you change your life. And, and for me, I, I read, I was reading a lot of philosophy and I was reading quite a bit of Asian philosophy. And there's this great, there's this great saying in, in Asian philosophy, which is that everything we do, um, is basically comes from our intentions. So if we intend to do something, we, we will do it. And so the, the saying is the, the intention leads to the deed, the deed, if you do them enough, becomes a habit, the habit, if you carry on becomes your character and that character eventually becomes your destiny. So, so from a very simple intention of picking up a glass of wine, you can see where it can take you. It can take you to that destiny. Whereas if the intention had been something completely different, which might've been to go for a walk or to read a book or do something else, then my destiny, I would be following a completely different trajectory and a path. So I was trying, I was playing with this and sort of thinking to myself, well, it is that simple, really. You know, if I don't drink, I will go on a different destiny. So how do I do that? How do I convince myself that I'm not a drinker? And I started to unpack this, you know, this equation really, which was intentions. Intentions were causing all this. So what were intentions? And if you really look at intentions, they're made up of your values, your beliefs, and what you think is your purpose in life. Really, you only intend to do something if you truly believe it's good for you or, 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 or you think, you know, there is some sort of upside. And so therefore, if you start unpacking alcohol and looking at it really as there's a massive, massive ambivalence around it. And by that, I mean, you can, you can go either way on it. People can say, oh, look, it's fun. I have a great time. 
I couldn't do my job without it. And then the other flip side of it is, well, actually, it accounts for like depression, anxiety, sort of sleepless nights, weight, you know, being overweight, car crashes, you know, anger, fights. It's an absolute nightmare. So there's this huge ambivalence and that's all down to what you believe. And so we're taught and we're indoctrinated by society that the alcohol is actually fun and social and great. And it's absolutely oh. bullshit. And but you've got to really start looking at it and unpacking it and starting to believe that. And so that's what I did. I literally said to myself, look, I'm going to have a scout mindset about this. I'm not going to live my life just believing what everybody else tells me. I'm going to really look at it. Yeah, I'm going to become, you know, if, if I was in the army, I'm not going to be the guy at the front just shooting everyone because the generals told me to do it. I'm going to actually be the scout and I'm going to go and have a look over the hill to see what's happening, what's going on. And really that, that scout mindset that I'm sober curious, I'm, I want to find out what really is going on here. Cause you know, the stakes of my life, I'm playing with my life here. And I just found out, I really knew it anyway, but I really, really found out and, and stamped it, you know, put a stamp in my mind that this stuff is poison and it kills you. And day one, I went at it with not, I'm a drinker trying to become a non-drinker, but I actually told myself, and I, I had to really believe it. And I probably really didn't on the first day, but I, I, I wanted to, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing it. And I told myself, I am actually a non-drinker who is stopping drinking. And it's so much different to being a drinker who's stopping drinking. And honestly, that is core in the DNA of the secret. So the reality is, if I make a picture of this, if you think of yourself that you're going to climb the mountain, if, you, if, if the objective or the target is on the top, then you've got like a massive, massive hill to climb. Whereas if you're already there, so I'm already on the top. I've done it. I am now a non-drinker. It's a much better start point than being at the bottom of the mountain where you're a, you're a, a drinker trying to get to the non-drinker. So just get there immediately and start your day one journey at the top of the mountain because it's your choice where you are, the bottom or the top. So I put myself at the top. And the great thing about being at the top is if you fall a little bit, you, you don't have too far to go back up to get to the top again, which is non-drinking world. But if you're at the bottom, it's always, always a hard climb. And so, so the, the summary of all this is have the mindset that you understand that, that you are now a non-drinker. Be sober curious, you know, question the ambivalence of alcohol, look at it for what it really is. And, you know, realize that whatever you intend to do will lead to your destiny. And, you know, after, after a few days, you start to, you know, believe that you really are a non-drinker. And after 30 days, it becomes, wow, I've done 30 days. I, I don't want to go back. And then all of a sudden you're on 60 days, then you're on 90. And before you know it, you really are a 100% non-drinker and you've shut the door on it. And the only way to do this um, really successfully is to change your beliefs about it. And, and do you know what, there was, there was a great American philosopher called Thoreau who lived in the 19th century and he wrote a book called Walden, which is a place, I think it's in New York state and get, get this, I read this book and you know, it was like a yeah, bizarre book to read, but it was like, it was recommended to me by a lady called Tara Brach, who's a great, great meditation person, psychologist, meditation expert. 
And, and she basically recommended this, this book. And so I, I read it and, and there's this great line in it. And basically Thoreau says, and, and, and you've got to put this in context because this guy wrote this in 1848. So like 180 years ago, he decided to move out of New York because he thought it was too busy and, and actually live in a, a cabin in the woods and just live off the land. You know, he was, he wanted to escape like someone wanting to escape the digital world today. And he wrote this line, which was basically one footstep on the earth does not make a path, but many, many footsteps through the forest and the wood, the path will appear. And, and then it follows up and this is the killer. You say one thought in your mind will not make a new way of thinking, but many, many thoughts over and over again will create the new pathway. And this guy is basically writing what, uh, what is now called neuroplasticity. And he was writing it in 1848. And you know, that just, it still today makes me, I don't know, like I, I sort of shake and like my hairs go out of my, on my arms with that. It's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of writing. And it, and it just shows me that, you know, in my head that all I did was that I literally told myself the one thought, the two thoughts, the three thoughts, I, by the time I told it myself like five, 600 times. I had a new way of thinking and that pathway had appeared in my mind. And I tell you, right, it's not going away. I, I love it. Oh, that's great. I'm going to have to look up that quote. That, it's so interesting, you know, when you are studying more about philosophers and, and people throughout the years, there's these common themes. So like you said, even back in the 1800s that there was still this just wise person there who kind of is helping just, you know, figure out how we think and how we can be better thinkers and accomplish things one step at a time. So you, you took this kind of literally <laughs> with your, your nine kilometers by 9 a.m. Tell, yeah. tell us about that. Yeah. So what happens when, for me, when I stop drinking and I think it, everyone I talk to when I'm coaching people, it, the same thing happens. You know, you stop drinking and even on day two, the, the first day you wake up with no hangover, you just feel like a different person. You feel, you know, full of energy. And I just wanted to do something. And I, I really hadn't done that much exercise before. And because I was in my fifties, I really couldn't get out and, run, you know, go running. I was going to put myself in hospital. So, so I started walking and I was in one of these like, have you heard of these virtual apps you can get where you can like walk against someone else? So, so, so I, for example, have walked from Chicago to LA virtually on my iPhone. So every step I take goes, goes on that journey. I'll come on to that in a sec. But the first one I did was walking across the UK and I was in a sort of race against my sister and she probably didn't know we were racing, but I wanted to win. And, and I worked out if I, for me to get from Land's End to John O'Groats, which is from the bottom of the country to the top, I would have to walk approximately 15,000 steps to, to beat her on, in this virtual race. And 15,000 steps in me with my leg span is about nine kilometers, which is in, in old money, you know, or is six miles. And so, so and I was doing this before nine o'clock in the morning, cause I, I had to go to work later in my, I'd run my own company. And so. On the bad day three or four, it sort of dawned on me that I was doing 9K by 9 a.m. or 9 k.m. by 9 a.m. And, and that became the brand. And then 
I just got, it became my new habit. I literally fell in love with walking. And so I, li I literally started walking 9K by 9 a.m. every day. And, and I've done it. Now, I started this about sort of five months in, into, into the alcohol-free journey. So I've done it for about 18 months every day. I haven't missed one day. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> What do you do on rainy days or snowy days? Like, how are how are you getting this done every day? Yeah, well, I'll put it. So, so, so basically, the secret is consistency, and, and consistency comes from the fact that that you you don't. I do, I don't want to go back to my old life or where I was before. And and what what really drove me to stop drinking were my whys. And my whys at the end of the day were my family, my children, and, and my health. And the fact that I wanted to live to like 60, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to die because, you know, drink kills you. I mean, there's no, there's no getting away from it. There's no, you know, you just got to wake up and smell the coffee and say, look, this is bad stuff. It's really, really, you know, it's doing you in. And so my whys were literally better health for myself, better relationships for me and my family. And just what evolved was becoming a, someone who wanted to give back. I, I found I became, I would say, more spiritual after I stopped drinking. I became more in touch with who I am and who other people were. And and it was a really beautiful thing. And so so the walking was was great because it was so beautiful just being out in nature and watching sunrises, which I'd never done before because I had hangovers. I used to sleep, you know, I used to get up at eight o'clock and like have a shower and go into the office thinking, oh my God, I feel terrible today. And then have another drink at sort of six in the evening to sort of like, you know, feel better again. But now I was wide awake. I was five o'clock. I was like, ping, I'm up. I'm sort of like full of energy. And I wanted to burn that. And the best way for me, I, I just fell in love with it, was going for these walks in nature. So I live in the countryside, so it was easy just to get outside and just go, go for these walks. And, and you know, my, my, my goals really evolved from... From these walks, I only really have ever had three goals, and I, and I call them daily goals. And they basically put me on the trajectory to go where I want to go. So, you know, I've lost, I've lost like four and a half stone in weight. My, my biological age is probably 10 years younger than when I would have been if I carried on, carried on drinking. My heart rate is, you know, perfect now for my age. My cholesterol is all, everything is good. And, but if I, if I'd set myself a goal, which was, knowledge you've got to lose four stone i just wouldn't have done it but but my goal was get up at five o'clock and go for a walk right that was easy because i was waking up anyway because i didn't drink anymore so that was the first goal and I, and I just carried on doing it the second goal which i got more and more into as i progressed through being alcohol free was meditating and being more mindful and present living in the present moment and you can really do that on a country walk or just being out alone five, six o'clock in the morning, walking down a country lane. It's you and nature. And that made all the difference. And, and the third goal, very simply, was don't drink alcohol today. So, so pretty much that's the only goals I've ever set myself. And everything, writing a book, you know, you know qualifying as a coach and all, doing all the stuff, the weight loss has just come from those three goals because they, those three goals put me on a trajectory or they aimed me at the moon and, and they, they took me there. Um, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't want to go to the moon. I just ended up there because I was aimed at it. And, and, and those, those goals are actually doing it. And it was so much easier, basically. 
It is that. I had kind of read where you you call something the domino effect. Is that yeah. part of the domino effect? Yeah. So the domino effect basically is if, if you take a, a you know a, a small domino, like maybe, I don't know, how tall they are about five centimeters or two inches in, in American terms. If you if you push if you push a, a, a domino over, it'll knock another domino over, which is fifty percent its size. It's called the geometric force in physics. So it, it'll knock something bigger than itself over. So if you start with a, a tiny domino, which is only say you know a centimeter big, by the time you get to the seventeenth domino, it'll knock over a domino the size of the Eiffel Tower, and by the twenty third one, it'll knock over one the size of Everest and by the whatever it is the 57th you know it'll the domino is the size of the moon and and what what this shows you is like a small action will actually lead to a bigger action so it's true if you stop drinking you start thinking about your health more so you, I started walking so domino 1 was stop drinking domino 2 I started walking domino 3 I slept better domino 4 I decided to write a book domino 5 I qualified as a coach so do you see what i mean it's like it's this tiny, tiny thing is just pushing it all over and making it happen. And I'm not looking at going to the moon. You just go to the moon because you're actually on, on that, that, that trajectory. And, and that's the important thing about this is, is don't, don't set yourself up to fail. It's very easy. And that's why I failed before to say, right, I'm going to give up drinking. I'm going to lose two stone. or I'm going to drop six inches off my waist. That's you know, rubbish. It ain't going to happen. And, and I know it's not going to happen deep down. But if I do it the other way around, I say, look, I've stopped drinking. I'm going on this journey now. I feel better. My values have changed. I'm all about health. What does a healthy person do? They don't drink. They value their, 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 their life. They, they go out for a walk. And, you know, they do things that healthy people do. And in the early days, it's hard to get into that groove because you, you're carving it out for yourself. You're like, you know, you're sort of grinding it down in your mind, like, the, like I was talking about the Thoreau steps in the forest. But keep at it, and eventually you'll create that groove in your mind, and it'll get deeper and deeper and deeper, and then you, it's there. And, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's a beautiful place to be. And honestly, anyone can do this. Anyone can do it. It's the, the, the only thing that stops people from doing this is their own limiting beliefs, nothing else. Um, I learned this great thing, right? Which was, if you go to the circus, the, the, the circus trainers, I don't think they have elephants at the circus anymore, but years ago, they used to have elephants at circuses. You know, you have a circus in the US? Yeah, I guess you do, yeah. There are circuses, yeah. Yeah. So, so the trainer, the trainer would, would literally, to control a baby elephant, so to make sure it didn't run off, you, you tie its, its back leg with a, with a piece of string and, and, and a stick. And the stick is only like, you know, maybe a couple of feet or maybe a foot or two feet high and just pushed into the ground. So it's tiny. But for the baby elephant, which is at the time, you know, is only like three or four feet tall, if it pulls away, it literally hurt its leg. But if you go to, the, if you see the other elephants of the circus, which are like five, six ton massive beings, the circus trainers, also tie them with tiny sticks and pieces of string because that massive elephant, even though it's now 20 years old and like, you know, the size of a building, believes that if it pulls itself away, it's going to hurt its leg. Well, actually, it could just walk away. There wouldn't be any problems at all. And, and this is true. So, so I always think, if, I think if you have a limiting belief, think about the elephant in the room and think about that, that, that what's happening there. 
this huge, huge being is holding itself back by one tiny piece of string. And, and really, we, we live our whole lives holding ourselves back by misbeliefs or misinformation about alcohol that we think it's good for us. We think we can't stop drinking because we won't get that promotion at work. Our friends won't like us. What will I do? Everybody drinks. You know, there's, there's loads and loads and loads of these limiting beliefs we just make up every day. But you know what? I just had enough of it. And, and it's the best thing I ever did. Yeah, I, I lo- that is a perfect analogy. It's kind of sad, too, with the animals and with us. Like, and just, you know, it's it's that whole, like, why why are you still in a cage when the door's wide open? You know, why? It, but But we do, we get kind of stuck. So you talk a lot about, you know, the domino effect and small day-to-day goals. So how could someone set them? Because it sounds easy in theory, right? Just don't drink. You're good. You're a, now you're a non-drinker. But what are some of your other suggestions for people that they're just starting this journey? What can they do day-to-day? What are some small things they can do? Yeah, sure. I'm, I mean, the, the first thing you can do really is is look at, look at what your alcohol intake is. So, so in, in the book, I, I've designed this thing called the alcohol, alcoholometer, which, which mm. measures how much neat or pure alcohol people drink. And, and this really did it for me because, you know, you have a glass of wine and there's something on the side of the bottle that says 12 and a half percent, or you have a beer and it says four and a half, five percent, or whatever it is, whiskey, gin is 40% or 80%, whatever it is, there's a percentage. But if you start, if, analyzing what that means in each of those drinks there is there is a percentage of alcohol and in a in a glass of wine 12 and a half percent of it is neat alcohol so i worked out there's this table in the book where you actually work you, you put in how much you drink like you know two glasses of wine a night or three glasses or a couple of whiskeys or whatever it is you drink and it'll tell you how much neat alcohol you're drinking each year and so if you drank a bottle of wine a night you're drinking the equivalent of over 70 pints of neat alcohol a year. Now, if you think about that, that look, one, two mouthfuls of neat alcohol or three mouthfuls would probably make you blind. But, but I was drinking the equivalent of about 100 pints of neat alcohol each year, which is basically what a bottle of wine plus, a, you know, maybe a bit more on the weekend adds up to. Now, if you put that in front of someone, you know, 70 pints of alcohol, the neat alcohol, you'd be absolutely crazy to drink that. Well, you just couldn't do it. It would just keep you dead by the first pint. But, but, but the point is, just being on a bottle of wine a day is leading you to over 50 pints of alcohol a year. Having a, having a single nightcap or, you know, a, a, say a couple of large nightcaps to go to bed, that's like another 35 pints of neat alcohol a year. So when you look at it in those terms, you know, you can fill a bath up with this stuff. What, why the hell do you do that? I mean, and, and that, that, that's really, you know, you'd never drink bleach. And really, at the end of the day, you're drinking 70 pints of bleach. I mean, the stuff kills you, it'll kill you. Uh, and so, you know, those are the sort of things I started to think about. You know, so when I saw I had a craving, maybe, like, oh, someone's called me up, they want to go out for a drink. I just thought about the 70 pints of, you know, neat alcohol that was sitting in front of me that, well, that, what that leads to, that one drink could lead to 70 pints of neat alcohol. And so what I would say to people, you know, who are starting out is have a scout mindset. 
look at, look at your current drinking habits and what you're doing and ask yourself a very simple question. Is this good for my health? You know, what, will it, it, does it, does it make me a better person? And how does it affect my relationships? Not just me, the people around you and start asking yourself stuff like that. And, th and then say to yourself, what kind of person would I be if I stopped drinking in one year's time? What would I look like? You know, who would I be with? What, what would be my hobbies? What will I have achieved? And I can assure you, you'd achieved a hell of a lot more than you would have if you, ca if you carry on. It's just so obvious. And so the first, the first bit of advice would be look at what you're doing already and, and put a number on it. You know, like there's an alcoholometer in, in the book so you could measure exactly how much neat alcohol you're drinking. Think about the consequences that has for not just you, but for the people around you. You know, since I've stopped drinking, I, I've got so much more time and it's allowed me to get to know my elderly mother more. I mean, I, I've, I care for her. I just wouldn't be able to do that if I was drinking. I've, I've talked to her. I've, I've started to write our family history. My God, the, you know, these are just moments which you just cannot get back. And, and, and so, so by not drinking, there'll be a whole load of benefits that come up that, that you'll say, well, wow, that's given me more time to actually spend with people I love who might not be here next year. So there's loads and loads of things like that. So that's the first. The second thing is to set yourself some goals to say to yourself, well, you know, where do I want to be in like 10 years time? Where do I want to? And, and if I if, let's say, uh, yeah, I want to be there in 10 years time. What do I have to do today to put me on that path to get there? And it's just simple things like that. And again, it's difficult, you know, to s explain this in like, you know, in two seconds, but in, in, in the book I go into you know, d defining what, what your goals are and how to set realistic goals, how to identify what your values are, what your beliefs are, how to identify limiting beliefs, how to deal with them, and then how to find out what your purpose in life is. What is your mission in life? And a lot of people, they go through their lives and they, they never, ever ask themselves these very, very simple questions. What are my values? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? And, and what's my mission? What do I care about most? And, and those are the things when you start answering those questions, they start, you know, you start to look really under the microscope at your life and you see alcohol in a different way. You put on a new pair of glasses and it looks different. It looks a lot different. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up like just the amount of, <clears throat> you refer to it as neat alcohol, like just because, you know, the alcohol we drink is diluted, like you said, because we don't drink straight up ethyl alcohol. It's a drug and a chemical and it would kill you to drink it straight up. And like you said, I mean, it's used in cleaning products. It's put in yeah. gas, you know, it's in our gas. It's actually a special elite gas. You can get or you can get ethanol free gas. For your car, which is just funny. It's like, you can all realize that's the same alcohol you're drinking. Like, are you going to treat your car better than you're treating your body? But yeah, I mean, alcohol is a drug. It's a carcinogen. It is definitely a poison. It's shit for your health. But then, you know, getting on top of, of your bigger beliefs, like you said, to get over the willpower, because it's, you know, like you said, like people get stuck in, and where I see a lot of people kind of stuck and I would say suffering and struggling is when they know that they are done with drinking. Like they yeah. know I'm 
because some people are just taking a break, right? But some people know, like, I, I want to be done. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of drinking. I know it's not good for my health. I know it doesn't align with my values, but still I'm finding myself going back to it again and again. Like, what, what advice do you have for that person who might be listening? Yeah, look, look, at the end of the day, they, these people in that bracket have not closed the door 100% shut on alcohol. They've left it on the hinge, you know, and for some reason they're leaving it open because they, they somewhere in their mind, they still believe that alcohol is, is good for them. I mean, that's the only reason you would do that. There, there is still an ambivalence. There is still a thought that, oh, it's actually a bit of fun. I can't relax without it. You just got to keep re revisiting your whys and why you did it in the first place and, and, and look, look at your whys and say to yourself, you know, well, you know, keep questioning what, what alcohol is and, and what it's doing to you. Look, look at the facts and that's the only way you really get around it. And I, 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 I used to use this analogy in my head, which is that there were like two wolves fighting in my head that the first wolf was like the new me sort of saying, you know, you know, alcohol is bad. It's like a horrible thing. You know, we've, we, we, we're feeling so much better. We're losing weight. We're sort of feeling great about life. We're doing new things. And then occasionally the other wolf pops up, you know, with its, its ugly head. And that normally is in the form of some form of craving. And those cravings can get, you know, they come really from triggers and from what is called, loosely called the habit loop. And again, that's a whole, a whole nother thing I could go into, but let's say for example, you know, for me, triggers were like things like it's six o'clock. I've just finished working. I've walked into the kitchen and first thing you do is you reach, open the fridge, pour a glass of wine, or I'm with a client, I'm out of business. We've walked into a restaurant ah, and you, the rate comes around and you go, oh, bottle of red. And, and, and so it, these are the triggers that actually take you back into drinking world. So, so what you have to do, and this is this other wolf basically that's taking you there. Is, is you have to deal with that wolf. And the other wolf, you know, the, the new wolf is basically fighting it. And so what, what I did very simply was, it was about probably day 10 or 11 of my, when I stopped drinking, like about December the 20th. So in, in the UK, obviously it's Christmas time and in the supermarkets, you've got like huge displays of like alcohol everywhere, like shrines to alcohol. And I, all of a sudden I was in a supermarket and I turned around and I was literally the altar of booze. You know, there was this, there was this literally sort of display of pork, which is like a great, you know, Christmas drink over here. And so, and, and it was like, you know, buy two bottles of pork for like 20 pounds and enjoy Christmas or something like that. And, and you know, I was standing there, which I felt like it was an eternity. It was probably more like sort of five to 10 seconds, but the wolf. You know, that the angry wolf, that the drinking wolf, the, it, it come up in my mind and it was telling me to buy a bottle of this stuff and go home and sit in front of the fire and enjoy a nice glass of, you know, port at Christmas time. And, and basically I literally, the other wolf managed to basically convince me, that, no, this was wrong. And I, I literally left the shop with a non-alcoholic free bottle of wine. And for me, the fact that I'd won that argument was, was, was a turning point because I knew that the new wolf had actually beaten away probably at the worst time ever, the old wolf, you know, it was like the biggest fight ever and I'd won it. New wolf had won it. So therefore I knew if the old wolf came back at all, at any time, it would never be as strong as it was. And I'd won, I'd won the whole thing. I'd beaten it. 
And, and really what you've got to say to yourself is the wolf that wins in your head, and this is so true, is the one that you feed. So don't feed the nasty wolf. It's very, very simple. And, 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 I, and that's the only way I looked at it. I looked at it very simply in pictorial terms, like two wolves fighting. I want the, the good wolf to win and I want to kill the old wolf. And, and, and that's what I did. You know, I, I, that, that, that's how I literally got over this. But it, it is tough. Um, but you've got to keep feeding the good wolf and eventually the old wolf will die because you've, you've starved it and it's gone away. But it's, it's back to Thoreau. You've got to keep walking in the woods. You've got to keep putting the footsteps down. And the more footsteps you put down, the deeper the path becomes and it won't go away. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's really, really that simple. Mm. Yeah, that was a good analogy. You, do, you hear the wolf come up a lot too. And like Bell Robertson, who wrote Tired of Thinking About Drinking, talks about the wolfy, the wolfy voice just being that that kind of little alcohol voice that's like come on just one drink it won't hurt you we'll go sit by the fire but yeah just being like fuck you wolfie we have this we have this saying in the uk that if you're not drinking you're you're on the wagon do you have that in the yeah yeah so 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 basically i in in, in my book i write about like what happens if you fall off the wagon and, and really there are only four ways you can fall off the wagon you can either jump off uh yourself that is like is right i'm gonna have a drink let's jump off you've decided you can get pushed off and that means you know some someone actually on the wagon with you and it might be a partner who's you stop drinking with decides that you know they, they fancy a drink tonight and they're going to push you off to go with them you know that, that, that that's that's the second way you can you can basically, um, the third way is you can, you can just fall off accidentally. And, and that's probably happens to most. And the reason for that is they're probably sitting too, too close to the edge because you only can fall off the wagon if you're sitting near the edge of it. If you're in the middle of it, then it's not going to happen. And, and so I'll, I always say that, you know, there's this great saying, which is, you know, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. So, so if you actually start thinking you know, drink is good or you start romanticizing it, then eventually you'll go back. So, so you got to stop that, uh, you know, that, that, that wolf, that, that nasty wolf who basically tries to romanticize, size booze. But really, really the only way that you fall off the wagon, which you take them all into account is the fact that it's your choice. You decide to do it. You, you, you do that deed. You intend to do that deed. And it comes back to what I said right in the beginning, like, it's all down to your intentions and your intentions are driven by your values, your beliefs and your purpose. And, and that's what you got to tap into to actually beat, beat the whole thing and, and not need willpower. That, that's how it works. I, don't, you're, I love your visuals. They're really helpful. Oh, what, yeah. what would you say while I'm picking your brain? Now I feel like I'm just picking your brain. <laughs> what would you say to someone that is, has a partner that still drinks? and is is not getting support at home or you know that's just their additional challenge for them i mean obviously everyone is different so it's difficult to answer that without knowing you know what the relationship is and sure. who are and what they're drinking so it's a difficult one to answer but you know what i would say is you know you've got to speak to your partner and tell them what you're going through and just be really honest and just have an open chat and say look 
I'm, I'm going to stop drinking for 28 days. I need your help here. You know, I don't want you to stop. It's up to you. Well, I'd love you to stop, but it's up to you what you do. It's your life, but please respect me on, on, you know, on my 28 day challenge or whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, I think you, you learn a lot about your partner as well in doing this when, when you actually, you know, you say to them, look, please respect me. I'm, I'm doing this. If they're not going to respect you, then, you know, maybe you need to ask yourself, you know, what's going on? Do I want to be in this relationship? And if someone is not going not to respect my views? Yeah. I think it, again, it's really, really hard to answer this without a specific, you know, people in front of you sort of telling you, you know, who they are and what they drink, how much they're drinking and what they you know, where they live and, you know, how intertwined their relationship is, et cetera. But I would say, you know, be really open and discuss it with your partner, what you're doing, tell them what you're up to and, and see if they want to come on board and do a challenge with you. And if they don't respect that as well, and if they want to carry on drinking, that's entirely up to them. That's their choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It becomes a, a difficult one. And so also just, you know, focus on your your own journey. Keep your eye on your own page. Yes. Yeah. Well, what other advice do you have to share to our listeners? What would you, in, in terms of what, stopping drinking completely? Yeah. Or just changing their drinking. Yeah. We'll focus on it. Yeah. I think, I, I think for me, you know, when I, when I start, I, I knew I wanted to go to the moon in the back of my mind. You know, I wanted to live the rest of my life as a non-drinker, but you know, if I'm truly honest, I was really aiming for just getting to day five when I first started. And then when I got to day five, it was do a week, you know, I, for 35 years, the longest I went without a drink was six days, you know, and, and you know, and then when I got six days, I think I did six days twice. I rewarded myself with a drink, <laughs> which Same. is bizarre. It's bizarre. You know, you forget, I mean, the longer you go, like in the early days, even you get like five, six days, you start to think, oh God, I feel great. I'll have a drink to reward myself. And you forget about all the bad things about it and why you're there in the first place. And so, so I'd say sort of take it, take it slowly. You know, I mean, you know, have, have a daily, go for five days, go for seven days. And once you get a seven, go for 14 days then go for a month. And, and honestly, I would say to you, like, if you can get to a month, which is not hard if you use the belief values method, it's a lot easier than using the willpower method, I can tell you. You, you'll start having a different outlook because that groove in your mind will be starting to be dug. And, 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 you know, you, you've had a sniff of what the nice side of the island is like, you know, and, you know, I, I, I want to live on the fun side of the island, basically. I've had enough of the bad side of the island. The bad side of the island is not a nice place. It's. It's purgatory. It's like, you know, if you can live in heaven, why don't you live in heaven? What do you want to live in hell for? I mean, I mean, that's the way I look at it. I mean, there's this great, again, so another, another quote from, I think it's Einstein that said it, it says that the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or a hostile universe. And, and that really at the end of the day is, is, you know, your belief puts you in purgatory or it puts you in paradise. You whatever you believe is where you'll be. So, so if you believe you're on the fun side of the island, you're on the fun side of the island. You know, that's, that's what it is. You believe it, you're that. And, and so, so, you know, this is an interesting tip, I think, that I always had a very optimistic view on this. And I always like try to big myself up about it, that what I was doing was really the right course to be on. And, you know, I'd use like, you know, 
post-it notes. I'd stick them everywhere. You know, if I, if I, if I read a, a, a good quote, I wrote it down and I stuck it in front of me. I put it on the mirror, you know, in, in, in the bathroom as I because I knew I'd see that every morning or on my fridge door. I had, I, and I still have it today, two years in, I have a chart, which I cross every day off. I, I, it doesn't really mean anything to me anymore, but you know, that chart is loaded with my journey. You know, it was like, you know, that's how I did it. You know, it, 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 it reminds you of, you know, it particularly like the first few days. What you go through, but it, it, it also supports you. It, it, it gives you like that sort of that boon. It basically tells, you, you know, how far you've come. There's a great book by Joseph Campbell called the hero, the hero's journey. And, um, I really recommend getting that m m most, most Hollywood movies or most of the greatest stories ever told are the hero. They follow, they follow the hero's journey and the hero's journey goes something like there's this person. And they've had enough of their, their life that there's a challenge they face. So they, they leave their, their, their comfortable home and they cross the bridge and they go into the wild lands where they fight the dragons and they take their challenges. They face their fears and eventually they win and they come back home a new person. And they, then they basically share that boon, that, that advice or what they've learned with others and they improve their lives as well. And, you know, this is a classic story that you see going through time. And really that is what becoming an alcohol free warrior is all about. You basically, or as you call it, Deb, an alcohol free badass. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love it. And, you know, I mean, that is a hero. If that isn't a hero's journey, I don't know what is. Right. So, so basically the alcohol free badass says, right, I've had enough. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go to alcohol free land. Right. And in alcohol free land, I'm going to have, I'm going to fight my demons. I'm going to go into that cave. I fear to enter because inside it is the treasure that I want. And then I'm going to go in, I'm going to get it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to love that treasure. And I'm going to bring it back across the bridge to where all my friends are and show them all this wealth I've like literally just found. And that's really, that's really what we're doing here. And, and, you know, what, what, you know, came to me and all my realization was, as I was walking down those country lanes, like on day 30 or day 40, I just thought to myself, my God, I've got to tell people about this. I spent 35, 36 years of my life, not knowing this secret, not knowing how good it is to be alcohol free. And, and, you know, it is absolutely brilliant. And, and, and so that's what I did. I wrote the book and I've, I've told the story and, and now I've trained as a coach and I help people and, and it's just so lovely putting back or giving back and helping others, you know, on their journey. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so inspiring. I'm just like clapping for you, for us, for all us AFBAs out there. Well, how can people find you and find your book? Right. Well, I'm, I'm on 9km by 9am, which is my website. So that's 9km by 9am.com. And that's got all the information on my book, my challenges, the walking challenges and, and uh, my coaching. The book is on Amazon and it's called Walking Back to Happiness. That's all you need to put in. It's the secret to alcohol-free living and well-being. And it's Nigel Jones is the author. That's me. And if you put 9km by 9am into Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, those are the main, what are LinkedIn, then, then my, then my ugly face comes up <laughs> and, and then basically you can, you can join our Facebook group, which is cool. We, we've got maybe 15, 20 members in the United States of people who are going out walking every morning and posting their walks. 
we've got a lady from Alabama, we've got a lady from California, we've got a guy in New York. You know, it's 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 cool actually, and it's this is a global thing. You know, this is this is a new tribe, and and you know what I say in the book is, you know, I I was sick of being in the alcohol drinkers tribe. I had enough of that tribe, and I left it, and I joined a new tribe called the alcohol free tribe. Or the or the Afbers as well, you know, the alcohol-free badasses are in that tribe as well. So you know, it's uh, it's that's basically. So if you want to come with me and get into the tribe, uh, yeah, go to nine p.m. by nine a.m. and I'm Nigel Jones. Oh, that's perfect. Well, thank you, thank you so much for sharing. This was just great. I think it's going to help a lot of people and inspires me. Like, I need to do some more walking too. <laughs> so I'll have to check out your your Facebook group and look into yeah. that. So thank you, you don't have to do 9km. I mean, a lot of people just do one or two kilometers. It, you know, the thing about it is, is just challenge yourself. Yeah. If you can only walk 50 meters, just go and do 50 meters. You'll feel better if you see a sunrise. Honestly, it is so spiritual. It is, you know, that's what we did. We, you know, we didn't live in houses 2000 years ago. You lived in the woods. Well, I like this tribe. I like this AFBA tribe. I fully support it. <laughs> Come join us. Come find Nigel if you're listening. And thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. It's been fantastic to meet you. You too. So we will be in touch. I will email you when this comes out. And wonderful. Loved it. Okay. Happy. Thanks, Deb. Thank you. And have a great holiday. We'll we'll talk soon. Okay, namaste. Take care. Okay, namaste. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. Please share and review the show so you can help other people too. I want you to know I'm always here for you. So please reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com for free resources and help. No matter where you are on your drinking journey, I want to encourage you to just keep practicing, keep going. I promise you are not alone and you are worth it. Every day you practice not drinking is a day you can learn from. I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, talk to you next time.